It's time for Confessions of a Serial Salesman. Author, expert sales trainer, and serial entrepreneur Steve Noodleberg wants to help you change your life and your business using his 27 roles for influencers and leaders. This is the Confessions of a Serial Salesman podcast with Steve Noodleberg. Here's Josh Cohen. And welcome to another edition of the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast based on the book, The 27 Rules for Influencers and Leaders to Change Your Life. It's in hardcover, it's in paperback, it's an audio book, and now the podcast as well. 61, that's your Roger Maris edition. Yes, I imagine. indeed, man. 61. That's 61 crazy. in 1961. You have no recollection because, of course, you weren't born yet 1961 no. yes I'm so okay, play along <laughs> with me play along with me Steve. i, I, know, I noticed old. the show got significantly smarter more successful and certainly more aesthetically pleasing as soon as your guest showed up today i knew it would and you yes. knew it would you call it she also is an author yes she is an entrepreneur so here's the best part of heather monahan being here and by the way heather monahan welcome welcome thank to you. us thank, thank you for you. being uh, with us the heather best monahan. part of her being here is that we have not we did not meet until 15 minutes ago Really? We know each other online. We've been we're uh, co-authored in another book that mm-hmm. our friend Scott McGregor did. And you just met for the first time 15 minutes ago. Face-to-face for the first time. That's what busy people do, though. But wait know. a minute. Now, Heather's got to be concerned that you know she's about to get catfished or... You know, uh, kidnapped and abducted, sold. No, to a I did that. Paul, I, no, I, I did my research and due diligence ahead of time. So I called Scott McGregor and I said, "Why does this guy want to have coffee with me all the time? Who asks that? Is he a creep?" And he said, "No, he's not a creeper. Not I a swear." Creep. See, <laughs> true story. Right. He's I'm not sure. a creeper. I swear. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, that, that's that's <laughs> a really good endorsement. So what it does is it validates that nothing real happens until you take it offline. You know that uh, there's lots of people doing stuff on LinkedIn That's and all. Point. You got to make it real. And one of my rules, one of my games is fifty cups of coffee. So my salespeople always have a written list of people that they want to have a cup of coffee with, not to sell them, but to understand. Heather has a look on her face. Heather has a look on her face. You and I do not see things from the same perspective. Please, as as a woman, I would say if people that you don't know that you're connecting with online are asking to meet with you privately, face to face. Red flag. It's worked for me for 40 years. But I'm just telling you, as a woman, you have to think, okay, why can't we just have a phone call? That's kind of So we were, well, we do virtual cups of coffee now. We do them with Zoom. (laughs) Seriously. That's what FaceTime's for. You know, and so it's really more about looking someone in the eye and deciding whether you like each other, whether there's some opportunity to work together, not Mm -hmm. sell. And so it's interesting because we were in New Jersey last week and we were with a group and one of the people said she had an, a situation where somebody was really forward about picking her up had sure. nothing to do with business at all and use right. linkedin to do that oh, that's professional it well, happens you know, it's all crazy the time. it's happening more and more so i get where you're coming from it's going to ruin it for you know those that are still professional and want to build meaningful relationships mm-hmm. but there are some creeps out there Absolutely. you know there was one that was posted just recently on linkedin where the lady blocked out the guy's name and scott mcgregor said why don't you call that dude out just say you know are people trying to use linkedin as like a dating site yes this guy this one guy said in the note hey i noticed you because of your smile wow which is like seriously dude and and 
and wow. I want to meet you personally. So he just didn't even go anywhere near business. He went completely offensive. Um, it, listen, th there are pros and cons to being an attractive individual. Yeah. I have a friend who's very attractive, and when he comes along with me to charity events or social events, a lot of times all the ladies want to come talk to us because they really want to talk to him. And same thing with female friends of mine, often on the wingman. She's my wing woman. And people are drawn to those physically attractive, and they want, yeah. whether whether if for whatever reason doesn't make it wrong. It doesn't make it wrong, but but it can be a pro and a con, Absolutely. right? Because yes. it can help you uh, if you they, they all say, well, it opens doors. But are you being taken seriously? Are you being respected professionally? Are you being considered for business? Or is it all a big runaround scam sham? Because really, they just want alone time with you, and you would happen to know this, wouldn't you? I actually write about that in my book. Yeah, I write, about getting, I write about getting sexually harassed in the workplace. And, you know, it's a very real thing. And it's not something that happened 20 years ago. It happens today. I don't, you know. It happened 10 minutes ago. Right. I mean, this whole Me Too movement, everyone acts like things have changed so much. It, truly, it has not. And people are sexually harassed every day at work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the Me Too movement has made HR have to study and give seminars. But the reality is, this is nothing new. This has been going on. I mean, if you watch the first episode of Mad Men, you go, okay, that was 1960. And there was drinking. And it was smoking. But, 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 but <laughs> and right. sex in the works. But, but, but it's 2019, and I am shocked by the number of times. We talked about this last week or two weeks ago with another guest. I am shocked in social settings of corporate environment, business, charitable, in which you have individuals who are saying things out loud that 25 years ago they would have said, but now you go, can't say that out loud, <laughs> can't speak. To, you almost have to be, you know, it's a different world as well. It should be. No woman should ever have to go to work and feel as though. Nobody, forget about just women. I mean, nobody should be in a place where they're felt to be uncomfortable. Right. Or made to be uncomfortable. But here in the breezeway, between these two gorgeous towers, look at, we do this from Phillips Point Towers. This building sold for, what, $400 million three years ago? $400 million. All right, so there's a lot of big-time investment, et cetera, firms in, this, in these offices. When a woman walks through this breezeway, heads turn so everyone can still check out. Now, they don't say the things they would. They don't cat call and whistle. But, the but same you can't mindset. tell me that she doesn't feel that vibe. Right. She doesn't feel that she's being looked at, that she's being judged, being evaluated, she's being scored. And that's somebody's daughter. That's somebody's wife. That's somebody's mother. You're right. You know? So it's, it's I get it. Listen. Very know, well, well, I think it's a perfect segue for us, you to tell us about your book. Yeah. Confidence what, what, Creator. What, why'd Confidence you Creator. What is it? Why'd you write it? All that kind of sure. stuff. Thanks. So Confidence Creator is a compilation of my lowest moments in my life and how I learned how to create confidence from them and how the reader can too. The catalyst for writing the book is I had a very successful career in media. I was a chief revenue officer uh, of a radio company after 14 years. What are those? Are there radio... any of those still left? <laughs> <laughs> Before the mics came on, we were talking about the archaic, dinosauric uh, ideals that are traditional brick-and-mortar radio. Right. Yeah, and how often they are behind the times. Which absolutely yeah. can yeah. be the case. And uh, for that reason alone, I'm glad what happened happened. But I ended up in, it was August 1st of 2017, after one month after being named one of the most influential women in radio, I was terminated for the first time in my life. And I used that moment to say, okay, what, you know, do I go back and go to another media company and do the same thing I've always done? Mm -hmm. Or do I take a leap of faith and go to work for myself, which had never been the real plan for me. I'd always been um, an employee or an equity partner, but I was always the second guy. I was number two. I had never been number You were more one. comfortable that way. Well, I liked the money. I was a single mother okay. and I had, you know, an expensive lifestyle that I created <laughs> and I loved is. making a lot of money. 
And that idea to go out on my own and take that leap of faith alone and pay for my son's school and pay for my condo and pay for my car and, you know, and not know where the money's coming from is really scary. I didn't grow up wealthy with parents I could call, hey, give me a bridge loan while I'm in my early 40s trying to make this work. Mm -hmm. It was really just, you know, taking a leap of faith, and it was really scary. But there was this moment, this August 1st, 2017. uh, Was the position terminated? I mean, eliminated? Yes. The position was eliminated. Right. Chief revenue officers are no longer needed in radio because the money just comes flowing in. There you go. In every business. (laughs) So it's not just like every other business. They didn't find a better candidate to replace you. Instead, they made somebody else. I had a target on on me. There was a target on me. Instead, they made somebody else do the work you were doing. They just incorporated it into the job that they had. There you go. That's how this operates. Oh, I know. Believe me. Believe me. I know. It happens in in every company. It's not just media companies that do this. I mean, you know, sometimes the the move is not logical. But there's a different. But it happens. But there's a different psychological. If her book is about, you know, confidence creator, and Heather said, I took the signature moments at my lowest and learned these lessons. First of all, it's a fascinating concept. It's a very relatable, fascinating concept. So congratulations to you on that. Thank you. But there is inherently a difference between we found someone better to do this job, you're failing at it, as opposed to we can't afford it, so right. we have to get rid of it, and we're going to make somebody else who's desperate do your work for you, and we're going to pay them the same. I think you bring up a good point because of the relatability. Everybody has had those moments in their life. There's not everybody's willing to talk about it. Not willing. Not everybody's willing to say hey, nobody help me, <laughs> like, hello, you know, throw me a, a, a lifeline here. Yeah. So the fact that you've done that, your fans must love that. that well, at you, least there's... Steve, you just nailed it. I decided if I'm going to write a book, I have to do something unique. What's the value prop? Why this book? Why me? You know, why is someone going to buy this? And so looking at it from a sales perspective, I had to identify what was the UVP here. So I did my research. I looked at a lot of different books, and I thought everyone's preaching – Everyone's citing research, but I don't see anyone being vulnerable and showing those ugly moments. And I had a whole lot of them. So, yeah, I've been divorced. I've been cheated on. I've been arrested. And I thought, you know what? People don't see that. They see the LinkedIn profile, which shows all my awards and, you know, how much money I've made. But you know what? Why not show these really difficult moments and how I found a way to bounce back from them and how other people this isn't a Yeah, this isn't a woe is me. Life is hard. Life's unfair. This is I bleeped up or this happened. That's life. And guess what? From this, I learned this lesson, that lesson. So now the confidence is created upon. You know, it's interesting because the book I wrote, you know, I I tried to take a different You wrote a book? Because I did write a book. Well, that's what this is about. That's why we're here today. And the reason why I wrote the book was everybody was saying, you should do this and you should do this. I said, listen, I don't really want to tell you what to do. This is what I did to be successful. And if you think that there's a roadmap that doesn't include hard work, you're wrong. Because all of these other books are, hey, pay me $15,000 and I'll solve all the Heather, there's a a moment. No, I hear you. And it probably wasn't August 1st, 2017. But there's a moment in which, you know, the proverbial light bulb goes off. You go, aha, this is what it is. Where were you? What was that moment that you realized? I got a story to tell, but more than that, I got stories to tell to inspire others so they can do better for themselves. What was that? Do you remember where you were, when it was it came to you? That's a crazy question because it it took me a moment just processing what you were saying. However, because I talk a lot and it's confusing when I speak. You're really good at your job. So two years before, two years before I was fired, I launched my personal brand. I grew up poor. And no one taught me how to get ahead. So I figured it out, like you were saying, through sheer hustle, mistakes, and, you know, just by chance. 
So, and drive. And I didn't think, as I became older and I started seeing really well, kids of really wealthy families getting ahead and getting businesses. And then I was working for them. And I thought, this is crazy. I want to start empowering people who grew up like me without mentors, you know, without money to show them you can get ahead just as fast as these guys can. And in fact, leapfrog them along the way. Here's how I did it. Here's how you can do it. So I launched my personal brand, my personal website, Boss and Heels, HeatherMonahan.com. Mm-hmm. And the company I was working for at the time went nuts. They hated it. They wanted me to get small. Don't shine your light. Which People, is old school thinking. It's really old school yeah. when you're in media and, and everyone has a personal Hello? brand. And our job Hello? was to really, what, you know, showcase. What was their concern? That people could do business with you? They were jealous. Go around them? Circumnavigate them? Steve just nailed it. So, you know, it it was, they didn't like that I was elevating my light brighter than the company's. Instead of, instead of seeing it as I'm pulling people, potential Mm -hmm. hires and potential clients in, they were not coming from a confident place. And that's kind of what the book is all about. But anyway, so they basically said this to me. You're confusing people. People don't know if you work for yourself now or work for the company. I said, great. I'll put notice and, you know, on any type of publication I have, it will say this is not the thoughts of my employer. I spoke with an attorney. Mm-hmm. I hired an outside um, team that handled my digital. I, I showed them the receipts. I said, there's nothing to be confused here. This is black and white, guys, crystal clear. And it never stopped. I mean, they were constantly bringing me to meet with the general counsel. And, you know, are you respecting the company boundaries and your commitments here? So it, it was clear they wanted me to shut the brand down or they were going to shut me out and of the company. And this was when? This, was, this when? was two years before I got fired. So it started in 2015. Okay. So then good thing that you continued on with developing your brand and planning for your own entity. Because... But I wasn't planning for it. I swear I really oh, wasn't. Weren't. I was not. Ah, okay. I didn't have a grandiose plan back then. No. No, but you were, st- st- I, am I wrong? Weren't you staying true to developing your brand? I was putting I, yourself out there. I was continuing to develop my brand. I was continuing to move thing. forward. I didn't back off. Thank goodness. But it wasn't part of a master plan, I guess, is my well, point. Well, I, I knew never some was. of it back then because some people had pointed me to it and you were putting out good information. It was nowhere near competitive to no. the radio business. <laughs> no. And what people fail to realize is that people buy from people they know, like and trust. Right. You were becoming Correct. more of a trusted advisor, right. which we run into that all the time now with companies who, who are like, that's the well, I'm not going to allow my salespeople to be big stars on social media. I'm like, really? Why like, wouldn't why you? Wouldn't I would you? applaud them. Right. This is like, right. this is the way it's well, supposed to be, I can but tell- they put rules and manuals and they make Fear. it so cumbersome. I'll, 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 play, I'll play devil's advocate. I'll tell you why you don't do that. Okay. Because take a look at the UFC, a company purchased in 2000 for $2 million, right? By the Fertitta brothers, Zufa, right? With sure. Dana, Dana, I White. Them, yeah. Dana White got 9% uh, of the company. In September of 2016, they sold for $4.3 billion, say with a B, boys and girls, billion. <laughs> That's a pretty good ROI. That's a pretty good ROI. To William Morris Endeavor IMG. So now you've got Dana White. Who is still the president, right? He cashed in. He and the got, face of. He got $395 million, whatever it was, but he's still the face of the name of. So if Dana now wants to begin the XFC, the fight, isn't he kind of the George Foreman on that grill? But would that ROI have ever been there if right. he hadn't Absolutely. taken that lead? No, because they needed not. a face with that name. They needed Correct. that credibility and transparency. He brought them Correct. to places that they could not exactly. get on their own. Exactly. But, exactly. Correct. But now you're dealing with a situation where, hey, he, as big as the brand, could start his own thing. And people, like I was the George Foreman Grill. Nobody knows who made it. It was Salton was the company. Right. It, it didn't matter if it was General Electric. It was George Panic. Foreman that if, made it. If his face was on the box, that was the one you were buying. Right. You didn't care who made it. 
So that's the that's the danger in letting one of your. But it's so funny. Be, you think it's a danger? I don't look at it that way. That's an internal spokesperson that is getting well, all this. I'm acclaim. on your side because I did it. Right, you did it, right, Heather? You've done it. What I'm saying is, and the way it's going right now, the reason it's that everyone's not stopping, doing it, it's right. not. It, everyone's doing the it. The reason that that company, Salton, whatever, had to pay Foreman hundreds of millions of dollars was because his contract's up. He could have gone anywhere in any manufacturer with his face on it. So I see the corporate I'm going to tell side. you a story. I don't that, agree with the corporate side, but I said I'm playing devil's advocate. That's a great problem to have. That means but, but that the I, success I, was there. I'm going to tell you Correct. a story that happened to us in when we were, you know, had the agency. We were working with a client. The One of the guys that was in the agency decided to leave mm-hmm. on his own. He left. Well, the client left with Sorry. that guy, and I went to the client like, how could you do that? He goes, this is the guy I work with every day. This is the guy. I don't see you. I don't, you know. And that was a real knock in the head to me that it was my fault it happened, you know, because I wasn't engaged in my branding and my. You said five you know, minutes ago you buy from whom you know, like, and right, trust. Right, and I let go of the wheel right. and let someone else take over that relationship. Yep. Right. That's that's where the danger is. If you get in the game and you do it right, there is no danger. Exactly. Everybody wins in the tide. Heather, exactly. you founded and you serve as CEO of Boss in Heels. Okay, so immediately there's a couple things going on in the title of the company. I'm a boss. This is power. This is empowerment. This is confidence in heels. I'm a woman, and I'm not toning it down, and this is what it is. There's kind of two strong messages being sent in just the name of the company. You put some thought into this. So, yeah, so I created, that was my hashtag originally back in 15, and the reason why I used that as I was explaining how I grew up, when I was younger in business, I started in the Gala Winery right out of school in sales, and I was one of three women out of 120 men. And so oh back then, and all of our bosses oh were men. Everyone was a white male. They wore blue pantsuits to work. All the bosses With alcohol. looked the same. <laughs> and so for me. Navy blue suits. Yeah, everyone looked the same. Red ties. It was Exactly. You know what those guys looked like. And pasty white. And I just, Steve, you would have never fit in. And I used to think to myself, you know what? This can't be the only way a boss can be. So to me, when I say boss in heels, it's not just about me wearing heels. Yes, I always wear heels. It makes me feel empowered. I like them. Mm-hmm. However, my entire career, I was told, put your hair in a bun, tone down the makeup, don't wear a shirt like that, don't do this, don't do that, look like him if you want to get ahead. And what I learned is this, I don't care if you have purple hair, you wear flip-flops, ripped jeans, or you wear amazing Christian Louboutins like I do, mm-hmm. you know what? Rock your flair, rock you, and when you do that, you become your most powerful, most confident self. And that's when you flip and take off. Instead, I had been fed what everyone was feeding me was, don't be you, be somebody else. And I tried it for a while, and it didn't get me ahead. So I really wanted people to know, step into who you really are if you really want to become a boss in your life and in business. Step into whom you really are, not what the ideals are or what society believes it should be. There does Success comes from confidence. Sexiness comes from confidence. Well, well, confidence, you gain confidence the more genuine and authentic you are Agreed. as well. That's where people have the you rub. You can't live the lie. You can't be somebody else. No. And so what works for me, what works for Heather, is not going to work for the next person in the seat. Right. But the more genuine they are about, be, people notice that. They go, wow, you are genuinely cool. This is who you to are. To see the body language differences in a man who's wearing a suit that is fit to him, as opposed to something that doesn't off the rack. Yeah. To Huge. witness the body language and how they speak, the confidence that they come with makes all the difference in the world. But look at the three of us and how we're all dressed differently. Mm-hmm. You know, your bracelet I would never wear. 
um, your you. necklace I might never wear. But you know what? You're rocking it. You're rocking it. Like, we all come in here with our own style, and it works for each of us. It doesn't have to be that we're all in those similar suits and, to and be Heather, powerful. I would never wear your heels. <laughs> I might. Hold on. Those I was rooms, waiting for him to give me something back. <laughs> you got a little red bottom? All right, I see your red bottom. I would never wear those heels. <laughs> I know. I have, I'm a social chameleon, though. Steve will tell you, when in Rome, make like the Romans. I have many different looks. The necklace that she refers to is I'm wearing again today a five point a five six caliber uh, round of ammunition, which remind folks about Parkland. Uh, so it occasionally comes in conversation. What's that about? So people will never forget the fact that six thousand and four hundred and some days wow. ago, right? So that's why it's, it's a reminder, if you will. But there's so much to be said for exactly what you're saying. I, I was with uh, some people this morning uh, in the banking space, and one of the guys in the room was wearing a nice suit, no socks. And so I was sharing with him that I would instantly take a picture of his feet and mm-hmm. post it mm-hmm. because I don't know very many bankers that don't wear socks. I go, you own that. Comfortable You're for doing it already. Right. It's not like he said, I want to wear no socks. He's already doing it. Right. And yeah. people have already bought from him. Mm-hmm. So they've already made a decision that this guy who's not wearing socks and willing to <laughs> like and trust and do all that. So that that's where I think the rub is now where I think – you sharing when you're not on stage or when you're when you're down we all have down moments and nobody you know everybody thinks oh steve you're so motivated all the time man there's some really low moments for all of us right and so the more genuine you can be about that which you have been and you continue to be that's where people relate and go you know what if she can talk about that, then... But it's know. hard. Let me tell you, I just flew home from Seattle, and I, you make a great point, Steve, but I want to share why people don't do it because I run into this a lot. I just came home from Seattle. My parents just decided to get divorced in their 70s, which is very wow. hard for adult kids when they live far away. Unusual. It's not... It sort of was shocking. My mother left my father, and my father was faced with um, getting a new hip. He's having prostate surgery and now melanoma mm. all at this time. So I was leaving him, and my mother decided to stop by the house to pick up my brother. And it was one of those heartbreak moments. So I'm dry, I'm flying home, and I post on LinkedIn. I had a really hard day today. Um, it was so difficult leaving my father, knowing my, he's alone, sick. And, and he taught me in that moment, Heather, don't be upset right now. Instead, let's look at what we have. I'm still here. I have you that, and my kids that love me. I'm grateful. I choose happiness, he told me. And he said, and I choose to have a future that's going to be beautiful and loving. Let's choose happiness. And I wrote that because I was so proud of him, and he taught me so much in that moment. He was more grateful and joyful than I was, and I'm not the one that's sick, right? So I wrote that, and guess what? I got crushed by so many people on LinkedIn. What kind of a child in her 40s needs to get hung up on what your parents are doing? And so this is why people are afraid to be vulnerable haters. because there are haters that oh. come for you the minute you start being real. It's wild. Um, the haters, remember, are people you'll never find are doing better than you. <laughs> you don't ever have True a story. hater. You don't True ever story. have a hater who's doing better than you. True They're story. hating on you because you have something that they want. But but what you are something True. they wish to but be. But we all experience fear and doubt. I don't care whatever. And failure. The best of the best that I've ever worked with all have fear and doubt. They've just learned how to deal with it. Right. It's people like that who don't know how to deal with fear and doubt, have not built the toolbox that come at other people because that's where they think they gain power. It's really difficult because social media, they're hiding behind They're hiding behind stuff, a computer. And right. it really is hard. And, and you know, I've, you know, it, when we all experience it, 
it becomes difficult to deal with it. So I think what you're putting out there is different than certainly we've done 61 shows. We haven't had anybody well, here. It, it is different because here is a confident woman who's telling you the reason I'm doing this is because a company told me I wasn't worth keeping. So boom, let's start from that. That's a pretty big blow. A big company is telling me you're not worth keeping around. So good luck to you. And she's saying, hey, um, on the outside, you may say, boy, and she may sound super smart and successful. She may be all of this and that. But she's saying, here's where I bleeped up. Here's where I was at a low point. Here's where this I was wrong about this. And guess what? I learned this, and you can too. I learned this. this, But it's the relatability of the fact that you're not saying, I'm perfect. Everything I do is right. Do as I say. Do as I do. You're saying, hey, life sometimes is hard, but guess what? Here I am succeeding from that, rising from that, and so can you. Yeah, but I'll tell you, the fails don't stop when you leave corporate America either. Not. You know, I one of my big initiatives was I wanted to partner with a billion-dollar brand when I got out of there to kind of stuff it in everyone's face, and I did. Perry Ellis picked me up, and I was their brand ambassador, and we were going to HSN to bring this major clothing line to life, and I was going to have this huge revenue stream, and I could see the dollars coming, and I that was my pipeline. I was so excited. Until we got to HSN and they said, Heather, we love you. We don't like the product line. Go redo the product line and come back. Wow. And they don't, a billion dollar company doesn't want to redo a product line because they're a monster. And they said, okay, let's, you know, this is diluted. Like we're done. Let's let's move on. And for me, it was like, oh my gosh, I just put everything into this one thing. And that's when I learned as an entrepreneur, because I'm a rookie, I'm only a year in, you can't just have one pipeline. Just like I didn't in revenue in radio. I can't have one pipeline as an entrepreneur, and that's when I decided I'm going to Octopus, and I'm going to have so many different pipelines so that I can never run into that you're situation again. You're going to go again. Octopus. you got to have a lot of arms out there. So you're going to diversify like and have we different platforms. You're going Octopus. Yeah. Oh, I already went. I like that I went to Octopus. So I, but I didn't know where I was going until I took the steps. I, it was so dark as an entrepreneur. I didn't know what was happening next. The book became number one, and then as I was sharing with you, then my online courses became number two. And then my speaking engagements, I had never been paid for speaking for. That became number three. Then my online sponsorships that I'm getting to sponsor different brands became number four. It just keeps evolving. Now I'm doing events. So there's just this evolution and these new iterations of my business, but I'm so open to them and constantly looking for them and taking action every day to create them. And this was never the plan. That's the important no. thing. This was ne- this was because somebody, a corporation said, yeah, we're good now, thanks. That was and, a catalyst. And yeah. thank God you were beginning the brand development and the hashtag boss and heels and, and getting yourself in that position where they're like, hold on, tone it down, because that's really now what got well, you well, to now, where you are Now today. you have to send them a gift basket and say thank you. <laughs> well, we're not quite there yet. No. But, um, you know, either. the one thing for <laughs> listeners I'd want to know is what that's all about, what you just surmised there, is invest in you. Invest no in matter you. where you are, invest in you that's first. That's the theme of the show. That's what we talk that's about That's what it's all, all about. Yeah, that's what it's all about. No it's one else is yourself. invest in you. It, it, it's believing yourself is one thing, but it's betting on yourself. Absolutely. It's easy to say, I believe in myself, and I'm going to go to this corporate job today and do what they say and take the BS and the politics, but I believe I'm going to do the best I can. And betting on yourself is like, yeah, enough of that. I'm going to do this because I figured it out, and here we go. You started talking about that years ago things that would be said and things that would be done wouldn't play today. Correct. What's really interesting is that back in the day when I would hire people, if I knew they had a side hustle, they were gone instantly. I've said, man, you have to 100% focus Uh on this. Uh Well, now, if someone doesn't have a side hustle or eight arms, they're lazy. They're really not getting it done. So the reality is that's the world we live in. 
And being an entrepreneur every day presents you with new opportunities, which, oh, by the way, is why I like to have coffee, because you just never know. It should take a couple of seconds when you meet a brand new stranger at a, at a cocktail party when they say, so what do you do? Because I have to process it and figure out how best do I describe, right. you know, explain this. You know, there's an old saying that if, you know, if on your Twitter bio it says you have more than three jobs, you don't have a job. Well, I don't agree with that because I'm a broadcaster, right? but I am also a live event host, but I'm also an, a, a, an, a, you know, an ambassador on behalf of a PR firm. And you're a, and serial, con- feature. And you're a serial connector, dude. Man, the, the stuff we've done together right. in short order is like unbelievable. Well, you right. don't even know that you do it. Well, I appreciate it. Well, what I'm saying is it used to be if you, had, if you listed three jobs, you ain't got a job. I'm an actor, but I'm also a bartender, and I'm also an artist, and okay, great. But now... If you don't have three things listed, you're not really an right. entrepreneur. You're not working it. You're not. You're not taking advantage. It's accepted. You're it's not part octopus of the game. You're not octopus. But you know, it's kind of, it's, it's a funny question that people ask that, what do you do for a living? Mm-hmm. So I like to either say to people, why do you ask? <laughs> you know, to really throw them off their feet a little bit, because it's yeah. such an odd, it's like basically saying, how much money do you make a year? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm curious to know that. Could you imagine, has, has anyone ever just asked you that? Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, one of the things when you when you allow yourself to be transparent, you invite questions like yeah, that sure. along. Yeah. You know, so I mean that's you know part of the course. But I like to tell stories because I feel like when you tell a good story, people can relate and connect, and then they're vested in you and what your passion is. So I say to people, all right, get brace yourself. Um, I went from within twelve months being a chief revenue officer of a publicly traded company to when you Google me right now, let's do it on your phone. I show up as an author. What do you think about that? How about that? So th- I, I like that story. Like it, it's yeah. really powerful. And then they want to know what happened. Oh my gosh, how did that happen? And you did it? The, the book is Confidence Creator. The founder and CEO of the company is Boss in Heels. She is Heather Monahan. And she was and she, great. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Congratulations. <laughs> that was on a all quick success. 30 minutes, bro. Yeah, well, Are we, we're done already? That's it, man. That's what she minutes. said. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Not appropriate. 2019. Totally not appropriate. <laughs> Michael Scott, The Office, totally not appropriate. There it is. There it is. All comes full circle, and there's irony, Shakespearean at the end of it all. Heather's story and mine are ridiculously similar with the exception of she really became very successful and I'm just kind of hanging around. But otherwise, I'm going to And I will have coffee with her one of these days. (laughs) (laughs) We just had coffee in the other room. You're good on coffee. (laughs) Heather, thank you. Congratulations again on all. And and the website again? HeatherMonahan.com. And and the hashtag we use in Boston Heels? That's right. Okay, and you can get the book online, Amazon and everything. Amazon, We'll we'll post the link. We'll do all that. Confidence creator. Thank you. Steve, we don't talk. It's small talk, you know. And so what do you do? It's kind of like, how are you? Nobody cares. Nope, They're not paying nope. attention. So instead, if we wrap up this episode tell 61, me tell me something good, because Shaka Khan's about to come in anyway. So why don't you tell us something good, brother? At my age, there are not a lot of firsts. I did my first polo event this weekend. It was fantastic. It was great. We have great friends. We have uh, uh, we met some great people out there. It was really fun. Thank you for uh, the introduction and uh, all that fun stuff. Steve Nodelberg, weekends and the life thereof. What must be nice. <laughs> Heather Monahan, follow her, get the book as well. Uh, you want to come back for episode 62? What do you think? Uh, 62 is Mark Nudelberg. Be in the seat. That's your son. That's my son. That's the offspring. Yeah. That's fantastic. Psyched. All right, then we'll do it. For Steve Nodelberg, Josh Cohen saying thank you for listening. We will catch you next time on the Confessions of a Serial Salesman, the podcast. So long. 